You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, good day to everyone listening. It's Alicia here, founder of Bride Chiller, mother of weddings. Ugh, that sounds weird. Mother of weddings. Where did that come from? Uh, mother of bride chillers, not physical, just in a sort of ethos perspective. Uh, this is a wedding planning podcast, and I love talking about weddings and all of the things on the peripheral, the periphery of wedding planning. And one big, big thing that a lot of times people leave to the end or don't give enough thought to it or just buy a package, which is fine. We're going to talk about it. But I think there is some opportunity missed when it comes to honeymoons. So I wanted to devote this episode today to talking about all the ins and outs, the important factors to planning a honeymoon, making the most of your budget, making the most of your precious vacay time, because I know some of us are on a very limited vacation schedule. So I decided to bring in an expert. I have the lovely Irina Vizhnevskaya. I said it correctly. I'm going to get 10 points from Ale Travel. Welcome, Irina, and thank you so much for your time. Thank you. It's great to be here. Well, it's lovely to have you. And, and you are the founder. You run a travel company. You get to book holidays for people. Yes. I feel like that's fun. I feel like it could be stressful. <laughs> Tell me about it. Yeah. Well, I always say, like, especially when we're hiring new travel planners, I'm like, it's not brain surgery, but it kind of is because yeah. the details really matter. Like if you mess up a flight booking and it's someone's honeymoon, you better bet it's going to feel like brain surgery <laughs> to oh, fix yeah. it. Um, so it but no, we, on any given day, we're very lucky to do what we do. Um, I hate the word travel agent, and thank you for not using it, but I've come cool. to, to accept that sometimes that's what we get lumped into, and that's fine. It's it's like it's the word that people know, but when I hear travel agent, I think of like um, – of someone in a strip mall selling package holidays to like the one size fits all type stuff. And that's just not what we do. So that's why it can sometimes get under my skin, but I've learned to let go and just be cool with whatever people call me. Honestly, anything works. We plan trips that are unique. So that's like in a nutshell, that's it. Um, And especially we work with a ton of honeymooners because as you know, getting married is a shit ton of work Mm. Um, and it takes over your brain (laughs) and every um, aspect of life. Sometimes it feels like, so we get a lot of clients that are like, you know, I usually plan my own trips. Uh, This is so weird for me. I'm just, I'm burnt out. I'm burnt out of planning. I can't make another freaking decision. I need help. (laughs) Um, Which I I get because I was there too. I was the same way. <laughs> so uh, we we kind of take the burden off, but we keep planning. We keep our clients still involved. It's not like it's a mystery trip that we're like, ta-da, you're, you don't even know where you're going. We planned the whole thing for you. We keep the clients involved, but we're doing all the heavy lifting and the planning. So they're involved in the fun stuff. Um, and that's kind of our ethos throughout. And then we'd also- I want the mystery trip idea. I sort of, I'm sort of into it. <laughs> Right. There is, a, there is a really cool company that does that. Honestly, most of our clients, they're not like type A, but I'm like, oh no, that wouldn't work with a lot of people we work with. That is not everyone's cup of tea. Yes. I was like, oh, I don't know. I sort of, I sort of yeah. love it in a way, but yes. you know, you've got to trust your travel planner to actually go, don't send me to some shithole. Not that you would, right. but, uh, you know. 
I think it works better. This total surprise thing works better. And that's what this company does it for like a weekend trip because it's not a huge commitment. Um, Honeymoon is like more of a, you know, has the, I hate the term once in a lifetime because I think you should be taking awesome trips for the rest of your lives together. (laughs) So I really, I, that's, that's just my two cents. But anyways, for like a weekend thing, you know, it's a small commitment, whatever, if it's a place that you didn't have in mind to go to and maybe it'll be a fun surprise cool but for a bigger trip I think it just is is cool to be involved but actually side note it is common for grooms to plan the honeymoon we've had that quite a few times and that's so awesome because it's a cool way like that's an easy thing to outsource to your partner um and it's not like I feel like it something like find a makeup artist. Come on, like the poor guy is going to struggle, right? But a honeymoon, he can totally take the reins on and take control of and and give you Brightchilla broom to breathe with the other things that you need to focus on. So anyway, that's a tangent, but... I like that. I would say yeah. also my side note is years ago actually ended up being the trip that um, Rich, my husband, and I became oh. engaged on, which was nice. Oh. But we we did a trip around Europe. We saved all our money. We yeah. were very poor for a while. And we did a three-week trip and we did a deal that we would pit, we we sectioned off parts of the trip and Love Rich that. booked some of it. I booked the others. We didn't tell. We knew where we were going, but we said, I'll find the accommodation. Yeah. And it was a really great way to have a little bit of a surprise yeah. on it. And then also that. judge each other for who's doing better on the accommodation. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, my and, God. <laughs> yeah, and it was sort of a fun little thing because it yeah. also broke up the idea of, you know, and some people love travel booking. I'm sure you've got stories yes. about people who are Taipei and who want to do it all and love the trawling. But as yeah. you said, when you're in the heart of wedding planning, some people are like, fuck no, I could not think of another fucking website I want to sit on 50 million times. And exactly. also – you know, you do have a lot of logistics in your head. So taking on a whole nother different section of logistics can be a shit show. So I'm right. so happy that you said that because although I love, I like the thrill of booking, I also love the idea of handing it over to someone else, especially yeah. in, a, in a specific celebratory time like a honeymoon. And uh, yeah. Look, let's, you have a lot of tips. I want to get through as many as possible because I think you are a wealth of knowledge, of course. And I think there are lots of things in this episode that people perhaps don't necessarily think about when they're booking a honeymoon and then go, oh, shit. I, I should have this. thought of that. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I've got two weeks. What am I going to do? Yep. So where do we begin? How do we decide where to go, what we can spend on it, where we get the money from? Yeah. <laughs> The biggest question. Well, I think what's awesome about honeymoons is there's not there's not really like a minimum budget. I think in a lot of cities, there's kind of like I live in New York City. I know there's sort of a minimum number where the, probably you can't do a wedding under unless you're like it's a picnic and everybody brings their own sandwiches. And even that sure. would probably cost you a lot of money in the city. Um, the thing about honeymoons is it really, you can start with whatever you have. So there's not really a minimum budget and don't let Instagram take over your brain yes. and think that you have to go to freaking Bora Bora and stay in an overwater, but you know, like that's not that's not reality. And if you have $500 to spend on your honeymoon, fine. Take the $500, go the day after, two days, not the day after your wedding, two days after your wedding when you've you've caught up on sleep a little bit and rent a really Mm -hmm. nice Airbnb cabin in the woods for three days. And that can be, I mean, it doesn't have to 
fit a certain mold. And that's the coolest part of Honeymoons is that it's just about the two of you. You don't have to discuss it with anyone, literally anyone else. Um, you can, but their opinions really don't matter. And I know that yes. we say that a lot in wedding stuff, like it's all about you. I felt like when I was getting married, people would just say that to me and not mean it and then freak out about <laughs> shit that Everything. I thought. Yeah, and I was like, but you just told me it's all about me and I'm deciding this. So, but truly with honeymoons, they they don't get to have a say. It's just you and your partner. Um, so budget-wise, I would really start with, start backwards in terms of like, okay, how what money-wise, what can we devote to this? Um, just like you, I'm like, do not think about going into debt for your honeymoon. Do not even think about putting like, just having it hang out on a credit card. It's that that's that sounds like a horrible way to start a life together. Mm. Um, obviously. I'm a big, big fan of, you know, asking for wedding gifts that are towards honeymoon funds. I think that's well accepted now and not taboo at all. Um, and especially with a lot of us, we are living with our partners before we get married. We don't need irons or towels or shit like that. So register for something that you'll actually use. So that's yep. one way to increase your budget, you know, without having to like literally ask for your from your parents for money or whatever. Um, so start with a number. And then I think it's really smart to think through like the kind of a pace that you would like, because uh, it, there's this image of a honeymoon being on a beach, mm -hmm. but a lot of the clients that we work with, I always talk about like beach tolerance. One of the two always goes a bit cuckoo if they're on a beach yeah. for too long. My own husband can last for an hour and a half. And then he starts <laughs> like climbing trees and shit. Like I don't, I just, I, I know that he, he can be on board with the beauty of a beach, but he needs to have something that like is keeping him busy. Otherwise he starts to lose it. So just again, because that works for someone doesn't mean it has to work for you. So think through kind of like what, what are we going to be craving right after our wedding or whenever we travel? You absolutely don't have to travel after your wedding. And what, like, then it kind of becomes an act of pairing the budget with the destination and making sure that's a good fit. So a good example of that, I know I mentioned Bora Bora. Bora Bora is obviously freaking expensive. That's mm. We can leave that out. But even a place like Hawaii, um, we work with a lot of American clients that'll bring up Hawaii. And I'm like, God, your budget is just not there. And your budget is great, but Hawaii is so expensive. So making sure that it's a good budget destination fit, because in certain places of the world, your money just doesn't go far. Like yeah. in Hawaii, you're paying like $500 a night for a place that looks like your grandma's house. Um, and a cocktail costs $15. And so yeah. that's like, that's, that's fine. If that's what if you're cool with that. But if you want a bit more luxury, um, and, and $500 can get you that in a lot of places. So just make sure that it lines up with the budget and kind of making sure it's the fit. And then obviously weather, weather is a big one that people forget to consider. And then they book a honeymoon or a holiday to somewhere during hurricane season or rainy season. Oh, yeah. Or just like everything's shut down because it's not the season and you're there in a ghost town. That's not fun either. So make sure to do that obligatory Google search of like weather in XYZ in this month and see what 
what what the results show that's super important um and really frequently overlooked and yeah that's just a great way to set yourself up for not a fun disaster I, I think love that. circled around your question. No, you, you circled perfectly. So I was going to say, I love the 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 fact that we have recently, uh, over the last summer in Europe, we took my dad um, to Italy, mm. and I'm usually pretty organised. But we were going through a particularly stressful time with our day jobs and running the business and all this stuff. And I booked flights, and we found an Airbnb. Now I had neglected to find the week that we were there was also the week that they, the Italians, celebrated. I can't remember. It's like Santa Maria. It's like in August. I didn't mean to say it with a bad accent, but it was some. <laughs> religious uh, holiday yep. that is literally the whole country fucking shuts down. Yep. Nothing is Italians love to do that. They're the best oh. at that. Yep. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we went to the beach and and it was the most people I've ever seen on a beach. And we're all like, what the fuck is going on here? Something's <laughs> up. This feels yeah. like a Thursday. This feels off. I mean, it's right. peak season, but this is weird. Right. And then got back to the Airbnb. My dad was grumpy because he's like, there's so many bloody people. I thought this was going to be Italy. It was be quiet. Not bloody <laughs> And Australian. And uh, and then we tried to go out for dinner and all of the uh, restaurants, we, we'd drive up to them. They'd go, impossible. That was the that was the oh, And then we were yeah. like, something is off. So yep. Rich texted a friend, an Italian friend, and went, please tell me we're not insane. And right. he went, ah, you idiots. This is our biggest holiday. You're never yep. getting in anywhere. Hope you've got something to eat at home because you're never going to be able to go yeah. to a restaurant. So lesson learned, should have Googled. I'm so glad you said it because I think some people, a lot of people would miss that and it could really put a Debbie Downer on your day. Yeah, week. it's um, it's such a small thing to check, but it, it does yeah. make such a big impact. And and really, most most countries do have that. Like May, fr- even something as silly as May first in a lot of Europe. If you're mm-hmm. if you're in Europe for four days and that's one of your days, that sucks. That really really yeah. sucks. So, um, or if France loves to do this too. After August fifteenth or before or after August fifteenth, most restaurants are closed. Unless yeah, they go on their holidays. Yeah, because like, they, yeah, right. Like, even they though don't the nicest weather of the year, they're like, we're taking off now. It's our holiday time. Screw yeah. all of you. Oh my God, that blows my mind. Forget, like, Provence, peak, peak travel season. They're all like, I'm on holiday for two weeks. I'm like, yep. wouldn't this be the best time to not be on holiday? Like, well, you think. Uh, we, yeah. We've had this discussion many times in our household. And we're like, why are the why are the flights cheap in peak season? Oh, that's right, because there's nothing fucking open. Yeah, exactly. But you know, maybe maybe I have something to learn from them. I'm always telling myself that, like maybe they're doing it right. And I'm the one that's messed up. For you, this is our holiday time. Bugger exactly. off, tourists. Well, let's talk about destinations. I want to go back to the budget and also yeah. finding. I love that you made that point about Hawaii because I do think we are marketed, and and I know people listening, depending on where they are in the world, Aussies are probably marketed a lot of Southeast Asia, yes. and um, New Zealand's been really hot. I know with with a lot of well everywhere now, mm-hmm. people are all going to New Zealand, but it's far far away yep. for a lot of people. Um, so let's. I, Let's table the fact I want to come back to budget and not necessarily being served these five destinations that obviously are hot property, but as you said, are not bang for your buck. Or and I don't want to mean bang for your buck being cheap, but I mean as you said, value. You don't yeah. want to pay twenty dollars for a cocktail where you could go to Bali and pay four, maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe I've missed Bali now. It's probably Cambodia or Laos or somewhere other gorgeous place. But you can get a lot more value, but you've got to be willing to then jump on a plane and go an extra 
10 right. hours, yep. depending on where you are. Um, so let's talk about distance and then value and how you look at you know, getting the most for your budget, but also then being really aware that if you're traveling long distances, it can be exhausting. It can be even more expensive on flights. How do you find that counter and figure out what's good for you as a pair? Right. Yeah. And this is, this is tough, especially for um, a lot of the clients that we work with are in the U S and it's actually funny because a lot of our team um, of, there's just four, when I say team, we're a small team, there's four of us total, but um, the other three are from Canada. It feels big to me. So I'll take it. Um, and, and the other two are from like Europe. So, so they hear our American clients say, well, this, is the most amount of time that we can take off of work. It's two weeks. And they're like, what the fuck? You Americans are crazy. But it, it's it's the reality, right? Yeah. Not a lot of time off. So that, that's what we're dealing with. And it is what it is. And so if you have... Um, if you have anything less than a week or a week is your cap. So something where like you can leave on a Friday night, take advantage of that first weekend and then come back on the next weekend. So about a week, I tend to really hesitate going anywhere. That's like more than 12 hours, 12, mm. 14, 15, because you're, you're losing time on a plane. And so yep. kind of think about it in terms of don't, don't think about it in terms of how many days you're gone from home as your travel time, but think about it in terms of how many days you have at your destination, because that can very quickly shrink from, oh, we have nine days to, oh my God, we only have six days. Because <laughs> by the time we get there and then the international dateline, and it's like, because for a lot of Asia, if you leave from the US on a Monday, you're getting there on Wednesday. Yes. That's like half the week that you have lost. So if you're looking at a total time that you can take off of work, that's a week. Well, good God, by the time you get over jet lag, you're like getting ready for your flight home. And that's not fun. Um, also, keep in mind, if you're traveling right after your wedding, you're so tired. You are oh, so, 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 so tired. So if you don't have a long time at your destination, don't put yourself through the hell of sitting on a really long flight and connecting through random airports and all of that um you know think through it like put yourself in the most tired you've ever been times two um and what will you be in the mood for then if you have two weeks if you have you know some people have even three weeks then you can go far and you will be you will have time to adjust to the new time zone get over jet lag and it'll all be great exactly and i think for people who've never experienced jet lag and i just feel like someone who travels i'm not like bourgeois I'm not traveling every week but we live uh in London actually when people are listening to this we're back in Australia by now but we have you know done that trip that long-haul flight and also you know it sucks and it gets to your brain and messes with you man yeah no it really sucks and it makes you feel you know you want to enjoy it you've got all this sort of energy and excitement for the holiday but then you're like I can't even keep my hanging hand up and you know and then you want to go to sleep in the middle of the day. So I think you need to really be aware that you're not going to, unless you're some sort of, you know, machine and even flying business class and stuff, people in first class still get jet lagged. That's right. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. So but you've got to deal with it, haven't you? The little note there too is sometimes 
sometimes people are troopers and they're like, that's okay. We'll take the cheaper flight and have like five connections and sleep on the airport or something. This is the one time where I would say splurge, even oh, if yeah. you're not splurging on like a business class, I'm not talking about that, but like definitely go for the shorter flight time, less time in airports, you will feel the effects. And I would say actually put your money more towards shorter flight time than a business class seat. So if you can get there faster, Put, and it's more expensive. I would splurge on that over a business class seat. Oh, me and, too. And, and because and avoiding, yeah. I, I just think as I get older, I'm so old now. But yeah. as I get older and probably less tolerant of people, airports, waiting yeah. time. I think we made an agreement in our marriage to go. You know what? We're not good at six o'clock in the morning flights. Yes. Like by the time yes. like, that's just if you can. What's fifty dollars for yeah. our? night before sleep because you know you're gonna have to get up at three o'clock in the morning to get to an airport and uh not having to deal with the craziness of an airport at 6 a.m because even though it sounds like it's going to be cruisy it's going to be awful you got to get through customs for international fuck that so i think it's a matter of going what is my time and i say this all the time with bride chiller in all other aspects of wedding planning but i just want to reiterate your amazing tip that is life worth saving a couple hundred bucks to then have to go to three other airports i would say no especially on a honeymoon. No. Why would you bother? Yeah, exactly. Please don't. <laughs> please, now, please. I, mean, I, I would like to go to a quick break, but we have a lot to cover in the second part of this episode. I want to talk about some of the logistical things we need to do, not to give you too many jobs before the big wedding planning sort of thing kicks in, but just things that you should be aware of if you're planning to travel overseas. And uh, also a little bit more about some of your best tips if there are places that are a bit hot on the maps that we haven't heard of or we wouldn't consider um, and learning a little bit about how to make sure we uh, book the right activities and know what to do so we don't get the itchiness that your husband gets. And I also get that on a beach. <laughs> I have the best intentions. I'm like, I'm going to have a cocktail. I'm going to sit down. I need something it else to do. sounds so good. And then you're there you're and you're like, like, damn it, this isn't me. Yeah. <laughs> no. All right. So we're going to hit all of those points and more after this very short but meaningful break. Irina, tell me a little bit about some of the things that people neglect when they are heading into the weeks slash months before their wedding, when, you know, they've perhaps come to you and booked their honeymoon or if they're booking it themselves as well. What are some of the things that we might neglect to do that really make a big difference if we don't do them? Yeah. So the first one, and this one just kills me, but uh, especially like in the peak of summer, we get a lot of requests that are like, we're getting married in two weeks and we want to go on, go on our honeymoon right after and, you know, to like Morocco for 21 days and it's too late. Um, so, so not thinking about it enough in advance is, is a bummer. Um, if you do find yourself in that situation, calm down, it's fine. Just go on a short trip afterwards and like, I don't know, two hours drive away from wherever you live. That's fine. And then plan your honeymoon for later. There's no point in, in kind of throwing more to your wedding planning stress at that, that late in the game. Um, ideally you want to be we really love it. Like the sweet spot for planning a wonderful honeymoon is like six months to a year out. Anything more than a year out, it just becomes, there's not much you can do. Like a lot of airlines don't even publish their flights. A lot of hotels don't have their availability up yet. So it just becomes a lot of like, 
okay, we've decided you're going to go to Panama. Now we have to wait for a month to, you know, to do the next step because it's not even available. So more than a year out, just start thinking about it, but there's just not much that can be planned. Um, Six months is beautiful, wonderful. You're so on top of things. Um, Three months, I would say, is like the absolute minimum. Um, And in fact, a company like us won't even take you on less than three months out, not because we're evil, but because we know that that just becomes a a shit show for everyone involved and that we don't want to you know, set anyone up for failure. Um, So so that's, yeah, timeline is a big one. Other things are logistical things. Um, Passports. I know that passports in most countries are valid for like 10 years. So it becomes this thing that you like keep in that special box in your house and God knows when it expires. And then you take it out the day before your trip and you're like, fuck, it expired yesterday. Oh my God. Which has happened to our clients. Um, or, Or you think it's still valid because it's valid for another month, but most countries require it to be valid for six months after you travel. So after you come home. Um, so I always tell clients, like if it's, if it expires within the year, just get a new freaking passport, just do do that. Um, and fun fact in the U S actually, if you renew your passport, um, and then get married and and do the name change thing, you can actually get a free new path. Like the second time they won't make you pay for it. So yes. the whatever $125, um, you won't have to spend twice if that was going to be a- I think that's in Oz and it? Cool. Uh, UK as well. I don't, don't hold me to it, but I know when I changed my name in the UK, uh, in Australia, they said I had six years left on my passport and they're like, oh. we will give you that six years. And I think also okay. in the UK, please okay. Google everyone, but I just want to say, I think most governments are pretty generous with this right. situation. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so definitely like t- we always, well now we, cause we have lived and learned. Um, we actually have our pa- clients tell us their passport expiration dates and take a picture of their passport and send it to uh-huh. us. It's a part of our onboarding. A fun fact, we actually don't get like, nobody gives a fuck <laughs> about your passport expiration. We don't, we're not telling it to anyone. That's just us asking you to like have a moment with your passport open it look (laughs) at it like feel each other you know um because we don't want you to be in that situation where um your honeymoon is tomorrow and you're you're trying to solve it it it, anything can be solved especially if if you live in a big city passports can be printed in two hours and we have had that done for clients too so but that's just not a fun situation to find yourself in um no and it gets pretty expensive as well they're they're not doing that on they're not doing that for a song I mean my dad had to have one printed because he was going to Antarctica other story that's his that's his career but he he hated Italy and the beaches so much he was like I'm going to Antarctica (laughs) I mean, the thing is, if you travel, because he travels with the Australian government, so he works for the Australian Antarctic mm-hmm. Division. So they don't generally, they don't need a passport because he's traveling within an Australian territory. But right. he did some work for the French, the French, the Français. And uh, they said, oh, actually, you're traveling into our territory. You need, I want to see your passport. And my dad's passport had exactly that. He was under a year of exploration. Yeah. So he had to go and get the day before he got on the boat to go on this voyage to go and get another passport. And again, grumpy dad voice. He's like, I can't bloody believe I need a passport to go to Antarctica. It's not even a country. It's a continent. And I'm like, that's true, dad, but that's international law. And that's the thing. So we've all learned the lesson from yeah. Dave going to Antarctica. That's two, my, that's two dad references in this podcast. I love it. <laughs> 
<laughs> Lessons learned with dad. Lessons learned with Dave McCormack. Now let's talk a little bit about, um, you talked about flights before and, and I I'm just really want to say again, I, I look, I've never had the coin to go business or first, so I haven't experienced it truth, Bible truth. But I do think I would rather sometimes, either, I mean, gosh, if someone put me in business class, I'd fucking do it in a second. But when right. you look at the price comparisons and then you go, well, could I use that money elsewhere? Would you still spend? Like, I mean, it's a hard yeah. decision. What right. It, it's, it's hard because uh, we have a lot of clients that come to us and say, it's our honeymoon. We want to go business class. And then I see their mm-hmm. budget and I'm like, okay, you're not going to. Um, because I think people, <laughs> yes, I think people don't realize how much more it is. They're like, oh, it's probably like $300 more. Cool. It's not. It's, it's, it's really, really multiples expensive. Um, so the only time where I really feel like it makes sense for clients is if they have a boatload of airline points or credit card points or whatever that they've mm-hmm. really been saving up for this. Then it's kind of, it's not like taking money off of their budget. It's, you know, it's uh, like this thing that they've saved up for in this other pot of gold. Um, So it makes sense there. Or sometimes there's, there are crazy deals to be found. Um, I just don't like, God, we had a client a few years ago, not a honeymoon. We somehow, not somehow we, this is our job, but we we found them a crazy good first class um, ticket. And now they're planning a trip with us again and they're keeping like, well, we want to go first class because that Uh-oh. worked out so well last time. And I'm like, done it once. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't think we're going to find something that good again. That was so lucky. So it's, you know, if, if you happen upon a good deal, obviously take it. I don't, I always tell clients this, nobody in the history of ever, as far as I know, even if they flew business class or a freaking private jet to their honeymoon, when they're home, at, when they're back home at a dinner party, talking with their friends about their honeymoon, they're not talking about how great the flight over or back yeah. was. They're just not, yeah. that's not going to be the highlight. So put your money towards the highlights, the moments that are, that you are going to be talking about for the rest of your lives, not the flight. Um, because no matter how you spin it, even if you're in business class, the flight is kind of going to suck. Like it's not going to yep. be that great. Um, yep. It can be better, uh, of course. And business class is lovely. And I mean, some of the business class lounges or like suites now have showers. And I mean, you really don't even feel like you're in the air. So I get it. But yeah, I kind of, my big barometer is like, is this something that's going to be story worthy? Um, yeah. Will you be talking about this later? And I kind of guarantee that it wouldn't be the flight. So that's my two cents. But yeah, I also Good don't. I'm not a. I'm not a regular first class flyer. So. <laughs> Well, darling, one day we will be and we will never be talking about the plebs in the economy. You know, we always try, whenever we fly back to Australia, I always have a lovely chat to the desk person when I go and check in. I'm charming and fucking so suck-ass. It's it's ridiculous but genuinely nice. But one thing we always try and ask is if we're in a row of three, can we have the middle blocked off? And generally if there's room on the flight, they'll do it. And we also love what we call fake business class on a long-haul flight is when the rows in the middle are empty and then as soon as the plane takes off, we go and put our shirt on. Yes, yes. And then we go, we've got fake business class. We've got our legs up. We didn't pay for it and we're happy and we get 
get that stairs from everyone else, but you're like, you're going to move faster, sweetheart. I've got folk business class. You haven't. I know. You have to eye those seats well in advance. Yeah, there's so <laughs> much. There's so many blog posts about like, go to the airport dressed up so that you look business class. And I just, I've never seen that work. That work. And no, I, I don't, I honestly have never seen it work because they have, airlines have like upgrade lists, right? Of frequent flyers yeah. who have, so they're working their way through that list. They're trying to sell those tickets any way they can. A lot of them have upgrade offers where they'll spit it out like a day before where you can upgrade for much less. So things like they're doing everything they can to sell that seat. They don't care how you're dressed and they frankly don't care that it's your honeymoon. That's like the want, the gate agent does not give a fuck. So I mean, yeah. you could try it's free to try but I've never seen it work so whenever people bring that up I'm like oh my god you read that thing online I don't know I don't yeah. know who ra- I don't know who wrote that like do they have proof um so yeah I always love asking people with the upgrades and you're right it's generally someone that is already on a if they've upgraded all of their their pre-existing frequent flyers who are the ones that always get the first bump up, don't they? And then you're like some random, it's probably just some random person who's just got a completely out of the blue upgrade for some reason and they're the ones perpetuating this bullshit myth that we're all just going to turn up in a jazzy top and get some sort (laughs) of amazing (laughs) Forget it. It's not happening. Move on. Yeah, I think Um, so. Now, one thing I wanted to, we talked about before the break, and said we were going to talk about now, so we must, is mm-hmm. experiences and not going nanas or bored, but also not over planning. So tell yeah. me a little bit about how we find the balance of having a relax, but also experiencing culture. Because hopefully if you're traveling somewhere new, you're not just going to stay in the resort. Don't do that. It's not worth it. No. Uh, that's my opinion. And no. to actually go and do stuff, but then also not be like, oh, we've all we did is do stuff and now I'm tired. Right. And and this is like just like everything and, and weddings and honeymoons in life in general. You have to know yourselves. So um we I know certain couples that we work with, I I can tell you that if I tell them to get up at five thirty in the morning to catch the sunrise, they're like, Yes, that is you're speaking my language, you know, and they're total they're all about it. Um, some people are not. Some people, to them, you know, it's sleeping in and grabbing a, p- a cup of coffee at a cafe and spending even half the day at the cafe, people watching. So it, knowing your general pace and being really honest with yourselves about that is important. Um, yep. and, and not thinking that your honeymoon is going to be a break from that because you are who you are and that's beautiful. And like your honeymoon is celebrating that, not, not trying to do some weird ass new stuff. Like, n- no, be yourself. Um, and experiences like the thing is it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people sometimes I think I think it's a balance, right? So some things, obviously, you need to prearrange and pre-book. Like if you have a dream of seeing the sunset along the coast on a on a boat, you know, as fancy as a yacht, as not fancy as sharing it with twenty other people, whatever your oh, budget yeah. allows. Um, that's not something where you can necessarily just like turn up at the shore and be like, "Hello, I'm looking for a boat." So like that kind of <laughs> stuff needs to be pre-booked, and you know make sure to think through like, what are the things that we want to be doing? Um, A good example of that is something like a cooking class in so many places. They're so amazing. In other places, they're just trying to copy and do something that they heard was popular. So obviously choose wisely, but again, like 
that needs to be found in advance. And the good experiences in a lot of places book out. So don't put yourself in the situation where you're like, oh my God, but I really wanted to do this. And it's only available the Tuesday after we leave. Like that just sucks. So that's one kind of experience that you want to plan ahead for. But then there's also experiences that are beautiful when done together alone. And that's what makes them romantic. So something mm-hmm. like beach hopping along the coast of Sicily and like finding these remote, quiet, non, not on a crowded Italian holiday, but you know, oh where you're, it's like just the two of you. That is so amazing. And you don't want a guide with you. That would be that would be a buzzkill. Um, yeah. But again, you want to plan for it a little bit because you don't want to be waking up um, on your honeymoon and like Googling like uh, beaches close to us. And oh, shit, I thought this was close to us, but it's actually a three hour drive away. I don't want to do that. You know, so like planning out even the independent stuff loosely because obviously you're not going to make a reservation at a beach like that that doesn't exist but like loosely having an idea so that you're not in planning mode when you're there Um, and and really mixing the two kinds of experiences so the flexible stuff with like the more I don't want to say rigid but like the I have to be here at this time with this amount of money kind of an experience um and 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 this is really like believe me please people this is what you'll be talking about when you're home with your friends um these are going to be the story the funny stories and even if an experience goes awry um it'll be funny and so that's something to keep in mind and and to you know like it might suck in the moment if if something did go wrong um but you'll have you'll have a funny story to share and yeah and I often find, like when the shit hits the fan travel stories are often yes. the ones that we talk about oh my and, god you know, yeah it, exactly you, you go oh we had a lovely time laying on that beach but remember that time where uh, yeah. we've got a lot of those stories in our household and yeah. they're always entertaining and they, the and they do make things memorable I'm not saying you have to plan for a shit show but it is no. also like like weddings the best moments happen when they're not planned and yes. you try and figure out a solution isn't it or you go oh, that's overbooked but we're gonna do this and it was random yes. and it was great yeah do you think a little bit um just about booking like you just mentioned I love the cooking idea and I think mm-hmm. you're totally right with finding an indie cooking you know to a company or some someone that's not necessarily number one on TripAdvisor because right. I think Tell me about TripAdvisor because I think, you know, and Yelp and all these other things yeah. can be great, but also uh, every fucking million people are doing because it's right. on TripAdvisor. I know. Take it with a grain of salt. Also, like, reviews are – man, I, I read a lot of reviews for what I do, yeah. obviously. And sometimes the stuff that people complain about is like, really? Really? You you took the time out of your life to like go online and write about that? I am so sorry. Or like clearly a therapist is needed here, you know? So (laughs) take it with a grain of salt. If there's something like if it's a hotel, for example, and one nut job mentions something weird about the hotel, but it's never mentioned again, then probably it was them. Like probably it was an off an off situation. Um, yeah. So more than anything, I look for trends when reading reviews. Like is something coming up repeatedly? Also, I think a lot of people don't know that TripAdvisor, Google, really most, I think even Airbnb. Uh, in fact, no, I know Airbnb has this too. You can search across reviews. So if you read like one of the first reviews mentions that it's, it's a cool apartment on Airbnb, but it, it was a little noisy. 
don't waste your time like reading through the, I don't know, 500 reviews. Just go up to the search box and write noise. And then it'll yes. pull up anybody who's mentioned that. Um, same thing with like restaurants. If you're not a sh- not confident that a place needs a reservation, go to TripAdvisor and write in the word reservation. You'll see, was it mentioned a lot of times that we had a reservation or totally not mentioned? Then obviously you don't need a reservation. So you can make it a great tool, but don't do not go down the black hole of wasting all your time reading reviews because you will lose your mind. I mean, it's oh just, it's like that with Amazon too. Like yeah. It's, yeah. I, buying anything becomes this all like this crazy. And before you know it, you've been online for like three hours researching. <laughs> I don't know. It's just, it's crazy. It's like mind blowing. So yeah, it's a good tool, but don't. <laughs> Don't let it make it the whole thing. And it's also, I yeah. noticed lately, I've been booking some hotels for this trip we're doing in Australia mm-hmm. now, and people are listening, we're there right now. Check out my Instagram. <laughs> it's probably a picture of the sun. Um, but it is funny when you, uh, one thing I've noticed is looking at people's reviews, and I agree, there are crackpots who are just like, yes. fucking get a life. You're an idiot and stop, you know, wasting. Exactly. You spent more time whinging about this. And then there are the genuine complaints. But I'm always mindful of watching hotels or restaurants right back. Back to the reviewer yeah. and say, you know, and I think that's a level of service that, well, most service industry people should be doing because obviously we're going on to these review sites going, oh, my God, this happened. Right. And then if they're like, actually, we want to give an update on this problem, I remember it and we solved it or whatever, yeah. you can sort of get an idea of tone too, can't you? Oh, about my God, yeah. And sometimes they- it blows my mind. I mean, we we actually like collect screenshots of funny reviews right. and funny responses. But uh, sometimes the, the, the whatever, the hotel or experience provider is like flat out aggressive in their response and it's like, oh, yes. oh, oh man, <laughs> you should have run that by someone's. But that that's important. Like then you yeah. see how they, they, you know, approach problems and should you have a problem that is how they will react um so yeah it's it's a good tool but don't let yourself go crazy also don't it's hilarious sometimes to me what hotels or restaurants show up as number one on TripAdvisor because you're like really that place um and other wonderful places are like number 45 or something so yeah. it's, it's kind of like don't you know that like number one is blah 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 don't don't really pretend that doesn't exist um and just find what works for you and yeah to move on it I, I don't know I don't even know how they calculate that I don't or have you heard that story of that place in London that was like a shack yeah, I was just gonna say it was called the shed I'm gonna the shed, the shed yes so in brief, I was just thinking it just came to me and I was like, oh, this mm-hmm. was so great. It was on Vice. So they they yeah. basically one of the um, – I'm just finding, finding his name because I want to credit him. He was so clever. He There was a, a young comedian who basically said, I'm going to set up the shed in my backyard. It's called the shed at Dulwich. So Dulwich is sort of a hipster cool, you know, place in London. And he basically set up a domain, registered as a restaurant, and then started getting reviews because he wanted to show how – fake reviews and how easy it is to game the system when it comes to TripAdvisor. And of course, now they've, this was a few years ago, maybe two years ago now, they they have come back and gone, no, we really were very stringent with our reviews, which is like, <laughs> you go on, you can go on fucking Upwork and buy, um, you know, right. you see it. Yeah. And he yeah. links to these review 
job ads basically of people saying, yes, I ate here and it was amazing, five stars. So basically he went through the process of gaming the system and made The Shed the number one restaurant in London and then for Vice put on this ridiculous night where they used frozen food um, to serve people. It's an amazing article, yeah. Yeah. He had a burner phone for all the restaurant reservations that never happened. I'm going to link to it because it's hilarious, but also it's absurd. And it totally just backs up what we've just said about reviews that you need to just do your due diligence and research and just not also, you know, like my sister-in-law, love it a bit. Lara, hello, never listens to the show, so she's never going to hear it. <laughs> just in case. La- just in case. Lara yeah. loves you, you sort of high-end, fabulous travel, and they go all over the place, and uh, they work hard for their money, and they go to nice places. But Lara loves a Lonely Planet Guide. And yeah. we always say, Lara, everyone in the Lonely Planet Guide, that's everyone. It's just like TripAdvisor. It's 50 yeah. million people. And yeah. we went in Rome to um, on a holiday with them all, with her and her husband, and she's like, I want to go to the gelati place where Julia Roberts went on Eat, Pray, Love. It's number one in <laughs> TripAdvisor and number one in the fucking Lonely Planet Guide. And I remember going, we're like, all right, we'll go. And there were so many people. Because everybody is reading the same thing, yeah. Yes. And it's a street of gelati, gelato, whatever you want to call it, shops. And you looked at all these other store owners and you're like, my God, you're making the same fucking thing. Yeah. But everyone's lining up because Julia Roberts sat outside and ate a sad pot of excuse me, of gelati because she was sad in the story for the time being. Well, she was experiencing, right. no, she was eating and experiencing life, wasn't she? And we just sat there going, listen. Lara, we got to move on. We got to go a couple of doors up. Let's give this guy our money. Yeah, what's the point? So, love you, Lara, but let's put the trip advisors away. But also, in in like that's a best case scenario that the gelato place was still there. Honestly, the problem with printed guides is that like think about it. Think about how long it takes to. I mean, you know, it takes a long time to publish something and to to physically have it in bookstores is like a really long process. And so a lot of times like places will be already closed down by then. Or I, yeah. I know my husband and I went to Cuba a few years ago and to my chagrin, we did use also a Lonely Planet Guide just because it was really hard to find information on independent travel in Cuba. And we went to this place that was like supposed to be this flamingo lake or whatever. I'm not kidding you. It was a construction site. And we just stood there oh, no. laughing our asses off because we were like, what? happened how did this happen because it was probably published like three years ago when it was probably a beautiful flamingo lake or whatever it was so yeah Uh, the second it's if it's in lonely planet yeah by then it's kind of ruined but those guidebooks are good for getting an overview of a place I think it's wonderful if you're just starting to like wrap your mind around like okay we're going to Rome you know like start thinking about it but just don't don't take everything they say with like literally because it's yeah everybody's reading this can you give me a couple of your favorite destinations at the moment that you think uh, people might like to explore that maybe aren't in the top sort of three or four I don't want to say cliche because I'm not dissing Bora Bora but I'm just saying it's not uh, affordable, affordable for everybody. So, yeah. where else can we branch out and explore in our research? Not too much, everyone. Just a bit of research. Don't just a bit. Yeah, don't go crazy. Um, Irina, do it for you. You'll do it for everyone. 
Yeah, this is this is all I do. Literally, is just the alphabet <laughs> places. Um, so yeah, it, no, and and you're right. There are oh my god, tra- honeymoon destinations are like it's it's just like a runway show. Um, and every year there's places that everybody's going to, um, and and that's fine. It's just um, when everybody's going there, the prices go. I like right now. I will. I can 100 percent tell you for the year to 2020, it's the Amalfi Coast, um, and. Mm-hmm. And the, and the prices are are reflecting that, and it, it's beautiful. I love the Amalfi Coast. If you if that's like a life dream of yours, I would personally recommend waiting a few years because things will chill out. They always do. Um, but you know, if you have the budget for it, cool, do it. it and or just go an hour there. up or down the coast is the same. Exactly. exactly. Seriously, yeah. we've been. You know, we've traveled around that area, and it's like the Amalfi Coast is excellent it's sort of jazzy and lovely mm-hmm. but also same coast up the road yeah. half the price exactly yeah it just doesn't have you know you can't tag it on instagram as the amalfi coast so oh, you still well, can you can just pretend no one's gonna ever fucking know that's true okay same that's water. true that's true and nobody tells the truth on instagram anyways no. okay so the places that i think are most exciting for and kind of like because we do this day in and day out it's really special when we get excited about a place yeah. i think so take my take my word for it um we've been loving places like vietnam and Borneo, mm-hmm. um, if you're looking at Asia, just because they like it used to be that Vietnam didn't was like a little bit of a rougher destination. Like you, you would have to accept staying in not as nice of places, and you know, like there's always a trade off. Um, same with Borneo, and now both of them have like really upped their game, and uh, the value that you can get for your money is incredible. Um, a place like Borneo, there's but there are beaches that does exist, really, yeah, really incredible beaches, but also this incredible jungle inland where you can trek with orangutans and not be oh, like so cute. It's, yeah exactly and and you're like seeing them in the wild not in a cage or something like that which I mean that's we can talk about that another time um so I love those if you're on a limited time crunch and you're in North America thinking of places like Panama and Belize even Colombia there's so many cheap cheap direct flights to any city in Colombia um so that's a that's a good way to go in Europe, Portugal, and Spain. People are starting to rediscover in an amazing way. And in Portugal, the yeah. Douro Wine Valley is everybody that I know, clients or otherwise, that goes to Portugal and goes to the wine region is like, holy fuck! I did not know it would be that amazing. And I'm like, well, we told you, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, Morocco is great. If you're not, if you're not dead set on beach, Morocco is awesome. It just doesn't really yeah. work. Their beaches are kind of wild beaches. Like they're beautiful to look at. They're not the kind of beaches where you would sit with a cocktail. Um, mm-hmm. so that's, yeah. And then I love like, um, South Africa, not just for safaris. So a lot of people, when they think of like um, a lot of Africa, but especially South Africa, they're like, we're going to go on a safari and do this very British thing, Um, which is cool and beautiful and also like so expensive. um, If you want to talk about (laughs) where budgets go to die, it's definitely African safaris. 
Um, but but there's so much more to South Africa. The, like the the country just has such a rich amount of things to do that a lot of people skip over. So I'm that's kind of like a mission of ours for 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 now is to to show people these these other things. Um, what else? Uh, yeah, the Philippines is starting to to do much better as far as like options. It just takes a lot. Of, you need time for the Philippines. Like getting between islands yeah, is time. It's a long way away, isn't it? Yeah. So um, just plan for that. Or if you do have your mindset on Bora Bora and that whole thing, think outside of Bora Bora. There's a lot of the South Pacific, like just look at a map. It's tons of islands. It's littered with islands. Um, And the other islands, I think, are so much more spectacular. So uh, if that is kind of the image, just think a little bit outside of the box and can I put can I put my hat in the ring with saying about the South Pacific is um we went to the Cook Islands. Oh yeah. The Cook Islands is the best place I've ever been in my whole yeah. life. And it's very sort of low key in the sense everything is owned by the Cook Islanders. They're not allowed they don't allow McDonald's or KFC I or any of these companies. People do that, yeah. yeah. Or countries do that, yeah. Yeah, so it's all island time. I did a, a, I worked for an Australian TV show and we did, and we were very lucky to do a week of sort of travel reporting and I got to go and do some amazing things. I and I stayed that. in places that, oh my gosh, could never afford to stay. But there's really inexpensive accommodation in yes. the Cook Island region and you can fly out of New Zealand or direct from Australia. So yes. I didn't have any affiliation with them. I just fucking love the place and I can't wait to get my teeth into it and go back there. Right, because you'll be so close now. Yeah, that's that's the problem that it is. It is a bit far away. But if you are doing like a New Zealand or an Australia, then um, adding that as a stop is brilliant and will give you that mm. kind of rest before if you do like a more adventurous time in Australia or New Zealand. Um, but again, time. Time is the biggest. I mean, um, yeah. yeah, that's just take that into account. But yeah, in a place like Bora Bora, you're paying for the name. It's it's a total marketing thing. Um, you're paying for the name. So and not to like ruin anybody's dreams, but it is what it is. Um, and you make the decisions that work for you. But there, it's just such a big world out there. And it's so fun to spend. Like, I love just opening my Google Maps or I literally have a globe because um, <laughs> I'm obsessed with maps. Um, and just like talking about places and, and finding the right fit. And, and like, it's there is so much to discover. Um, and doing it together with your partner after a big life event. Mm, oh, my God. I'm excited, and see, now we've already talked for way longer than I wanted to bother you talking because you've got you've got to go and book people's holidays. You're doing something. <laughs> I was like so into it. So thank you so much for taking this time, Irina, and and, and really you've been so informative and I hope that people come away from this episode feeling a little bit more adventurous but also just taking a step outside of the package holiday zone which we're not shitting on but we're saying you can do more and also get probably better value oh my god working with a travel person such as yourself didn't call you a travel agent because I know that (laughs) yeah Um, don't piss me off (laughs) travel expert I would never dare but also just being able to have that brainstorm like you would work with a wedding planner I think it's good to then go hey you're an expert and yeah we all like a cheap ass holiday and going on Expedia but this is not the time this is the time to get someone to help you get and also be honest about your budget and you can work with it totally exactly yeah just be you are who you are your budget is what it is and there's no we get oh my god it drives me crazy when we have people that come to us that are like well we have a budget of and i'm not kidding you these exact words happen 
we have a budget of $14,000. We want to go to Europe for two weeks. And a travel agent told us that's not a high enough budget. And I like literally want to flip my table. What? It's like, who the fuck? Who? Who told you that? That doesn't even make sense. Where do they? Why? Because they did a search on their packages and that doesn't exist. So they're like, it's not. I, I don't know. It just blows my mind. Um, so don't, don't ever let anyone make you feel like your budget is not enough or you have to do something different. It, the, no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. All right. Well, where can we get in touch with you? What can we do to get you? What can we do to get you in that uh, seat today? How can we people get in touch and get you to book their dream honeymoon and also just think about going somewhere different? Sure. Um, so our website is the best place to start, alatravel.co. Or you can say .com too. It'll take you to the same place. Um, our Instagram, alatravels, is a good place to, to kind of uh, see what's exciting us at the moment and see where we're drawing our inspiration. Um, we don't, we're, we'd love chatting. So you feel free to reach out and I love shooting the shit as you can tell. Um, so definitely d- there's no like, we don't make you sign something for sending us an email or even having a phone call with us and, and, and trying to see if it's a good fit. And we're very honest, like a lot of people aren't a good fit for our services. So that's fine. We'll tell you who is a good fit and you know, you'll be on your merry way and everyone's happy. Um, so, so definitely I would start with our website. You can find all of our email addresses there, all four of our email addresses. Um, so, (laughs) so you can reach out. Um, I promise you we're friendly. We love, we love doing this and yeah, we just, this is exciting to us. So we're, we're around for a conversation. Um, but yeah, I would say probably our website or Instagram. We don't really do like the Twitter thing and Pinterest. I know we should get into that. I don't. Just yeah. getting angry at politics. And I love that. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and Irina, Ale, Ale Travel is A-L-L-E travel.co or .com. Just so, but I'll put exactly. that in show notes. We will, uh, I'm going to get um, Irina to send me some of these fabulous destinations so we can put them in the show notes today. So you can click through and uh, while you're sitting at your boring desk in January, just looking at the gloom, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you can maybe think about a fabulous honeymoon and it gets exciting at this time of year, especially in the winter time. And if you're in Australia, you might be thinking about next year, who knows? I'm not going to name different countries, Um, but it is nice to start fantasizing and thinking about about what what holiday you're on so thank you so much for you. uh, your time and I hope uh, if people are interested in learning more visiting your website and also today we must get you in Irina into the bride chiller community our Facebook group I will Definitely. start a conversation this week in the group about honeymoons and it'd be great to hear where you are choosing to go on a honeymoon and maybe Irina can come in and and join the chat and um, hear some suggestions as well which would be great so oh if you God, are yes yeah you got to join we'll get you in girl cool. um, and if, if people are new to the bride chiller community Community. All they need to do is search Facebook for Bride Chiller Community, join, get involved. And uh, if you have a travel question, Arena, I'd like to have you back on the show to do a travel Q&A in the future. Oh, that would be fun. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm usually just like talking to the walls. So <laughs> it's right? great to talk to someone. Yeah. No, for sure. Let's do that. All right. I will uh, I will I'll post some questions. I'll post a prompt and if you can leave a message and uh, we will record an episode in the near future. Awesome. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you very much, Irina. Thank you for your time. And uh, until next time, I have to say happy days. Thank you. Happy days. 
The Bride Chilla Podcast. The only place a cookie cutter should be used is in the kitchen. Am I right? When I first started to write The Bride Chilla Survival Guide, our ultimate wedding planning guide, I had no idea that I would also be writing The Bride Chilla Field Guide, our companion filler-outable planner, which turned out to be even more of an interesting journey than The Survival Guide. Both are about 250 pages of wedding planning goodness, and uh, they go perfectly as a pair. I would say the best combo since tequila and bad decisions. Woo, don't know about that. What is fabulous about these books is that you, my lovely Bride Chiller community members and listeners, contributed so much to how they look, how they feel, the tone and the information that you wanted to receive when reading a wedding planning guide. So I have to say a big thank you to all our wonderful members and I'm very proud to share these books with you. To grab your copies, we ship internationally. All you need to do is visit bridechillerstore.com. We've got an amazing pack with both of the books and a Happy Days tote. A very good deal, if I do say so myself. Happy Days.